welcome to PCI Cast, a conversation about life and faith in the Presbyterian Church in Ireland. Let's hear what the team have been talking about this week. You put any fuel into the car, Craig? Yet? If you panic, in in the UK, we're worrying about fuel. The right. the shortages of it or the price or both? Well, over across the water, there there's no fuel. <laughs> they have oh. the fuel, and that's a that's a a gross mischaracterization. <laughs> there's plenty of fuel. It, it's uh, it's every time you turn on the news, and all they're reporting about is that there are fuel shortages. So everyone thinks there's a fuel shortage, and then they go and panic buy. And thus a fuel shortage happens, lo and behold. So that's that's what's actually happening. I filled up on Friday and uh, before there was there, there was hype. But there's nothing around here. I mean, all the, the four courts I've seen have been normal. So what's what's the price for for uh, petrol? So one pound thirty two for a liter of petrol. At the it's, gone, it's gone up. I remember it was always something around one fifty. And we now have the price that you use. Uh, it's it's gone up here as well. So it's it's over one pound. It's like one pound ten, one pound fifteen here. And it was always under under a pound here. Oh yeah. Wait wait wait. I've got to feel smug. For me, it's because uh, we're electric. Sash. We've got an electric car, so we're uh, paying. Uh, we're we're paying by kilowatt. It's uh AP. <laughs> AP a kilowatt. Wow. How far does a kilowatt get you in the car? <laughs> Four miles. <laughs> Four miles. Two a mile is what you're paying. Cheap. Mm-hmm. Well, have we started? I started recording uh, as soon as we all got in. So yeah, we've we've been going. Well, then we should probably introduce um, our guest, Craig. Yeah, <laughs> we've been we talking. To him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who, who are we? Who are we talking to? <laughs> well, we're talking uh, this this uh, special episode. We we the last time we thought about overseas mission it was thriller in manila were you in the philippines you had the sun cream on craig i i did not bring sun cream well not strictly true susie gave me some sun cream but it never came out of the the bag uh but it was fine so yeah last time uh, i was in manila live reporting yes Uh, and i thought so we thought for this uh, episode overseas mission think a little bit about my good friend uh sashko in uh in krakow who's a church planter sasko welcome to pci cast hello hello thank you for inviting me so uh tell us a little bit uh about yourself who are you um and what are you doing in, in krakow just now right uh well um so um uh, i'm a minister in training a church planter uh and i've been um working with this with this church plan since 2015 that's the year when i met ben in in rich hill uh, in northern ireland and um i'm married to anya uh anya is an architect and she uh but she also helps us helps with the with the church she she leads our singing plays our music during uh during the service um no children um born in what used to be soviet union um on the polish ukrainian border on the ukrainian side uh, in 1988 um i was three when the soviet union uh, broke up and 
And then I, I moved to, um, I have a complicated history, but um, I moved to Poland uh, in 2010, so 11 years ago. Uh, and I, that's when I also started working with European Christian Mission, ECM. So that's, that's the mission organization that I've been um, working with for quite a while, one, one third of my life now. Well, uh, take, take us back, Sasko, to uh, the midst of time, uh, Ukraine. How were you introduced to the faith? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I was, I was 12 years old. Yeah. And um, I came across this uh, big evangelical church in my hometown, uh, former Lutheran building, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful building right in the uh, in, in the old part of the city. Uh, and I was I come from Lviv, which is the biggest um, city in Western Ukraine, former Polish territory. Mm-hmm. Um, and um there was that, that evangelical church was running a, um, a course for um, young people that wanted to learn English. And uh, I wanted to learn English, so I signed up. And it was a summer course, just two weeks long. Um, I came, I started uh, talking to people, met local believers. Uh, the English course itself was run by American short term missionaries. Uh, I may use that term, but um, I just I started talking to locals and asking asking them questions. You know, I'm I'm in this big beautiful church, and I'm asking, mm, uh, how are you different from my church? How are you different from the Catholic Church? And they um, they started explaining to me why there were no statues or icons, you know, things like that. And then I and then they started uh, showing me in the Bible. Uh, why they didn't have icons, why did they didn't have statues, why they didn't, you know, use those for, for worship. Uh, and it just, you know, for a 12-year-old, this was so black and white. This was so clear and simple. Um, and uh, they, they shared the gospel with me, and that's when I, that's when I came to faith. Um, yeah, and then went to Bible college after, after high school in the same city. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't until probably second or third year of my Bible uh, college after, after high school uh, that I got introduced to Reformed theology. And that's, that's, that's another chapter of my story. Wonderful. And, well, well yeah, let's, let, let's explore that then. So introduced to the faith, saved, brought in. Um, the reformed uh, because very much the church that you showed us around a little bit earlier and and, and where you are training and all the rest in the presbyterian uh in the presbyterian tradition um and, and the reformed faith where did that start to come in um mm-hmm. yep so uh while in bible college i um i set up this small ministry that was helping <clears throat> different um local churches uh, run similar events that um, as, as an outreach, um, similar events that God used to bring me to faith. So English yeah. courses, English language camps, um, 
you know, some summer camps. And we had a group of uh, English speakers that were also that, that worked as interpreters and they um, uh, and volunteers that that you know were helping um, uh, different churches in the area to, to run similar similar events um, evangelism events and um, and then uh, two Presbyterian missionary couples moved into into the city and they um, they worked with uh, MTW mm. they're, they're still there um, after I don't know. 14 years probably presbyterian church in america is that right pca uh, yeah mtw mission to the world would be the the mission agency of pca um they moved from other uh, from another city in ukraine or maybe even from the two different cities in ukraine uh with this goal to plant presbyterian church for the first time in history in my hometown and um and we just naturally clicked and, and and we because we had this we had this team ready of you know of people that could help with uh with different outreach events we helped this um uh, group of missionaries with uh personnel basically for uh, one of their first outreach events and their first outreach event was uh and it's been their their main focus in evangelism uh, ever since um, university student ministry, yeah, they 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 started with a camp uh, with a summer camp uh, for university students, and um, and that's when I that's when I started working more closely with them. After that, during the during the academic year, during the school year, they would do uh, Bible study, uh, and I was I was asked to. Um, interpret there and now as i look back i realized that it wasn't really a, well it was a, of course it was a bible study but it was also a catechism uh class but uh, it wasn't um it wasn't called that it wasn't called a catechism class and um, um and yeah and as i was interpreting everything that was being said by by the minister all of those things just made so much sense to me and and I really liked what I was hearing. I really liked what I was, you know, interpreting. Uh, and then after I graduated from my Bible college in, in Lviv, after four years of um, studies there, I did a one-year internship with this MTW team. By that time, MTW team had grown. Yeah, they had they had more families working, and my my job for that um, one year was. Um, doing a research on the history of reformed movement in that part of Ukraine, because there was some, um, and the, the church needed that information to help explain to people, to the locals, you know, what, what we are about, where we come from, and uh, to show that we've been here before. We are not, we didn't, you know, um, make this up yesterday. Um, and, um, and that, yeah, I always say that that year with the uh, th that one year internship with the mtw team in Lviv gave me more than four years of bible college or at least what it did it, it certainly brought everything that i learned into order um being exposed to reformed theology certainly has um I, even at the time it, it just organized everything in in my head put everything on the right shelf um so um, yeah, then I they moved to to Poland to work with ECM, uh, 
Mm. And uh, after uh, five years of working with DCM in Poland, um, time came for me to move from one place, a smaller town near Krakow to, to uh, a long-term project. And uh, as we were, as I was trying to sort out what this long-term project would be, uh, this vision came about that um, Krakow five or six years ago, whenever I started, didn't have a single reformed church in the city, a city of 1 million people. And um, so I saw the need, there were people that were ready to help with this, uh, the start. And that's when the church in Lviv uh, with this, with, with the same MTW missionaries picked up and, and the congregation there picked up the, the, the work that we already, we had already started doing in Krakow and they became our, our mother church and they are still um, our mother church and still responsible uh, you know, ecclesiastically for um, um, what, what I'm involved in and what I'm doing. And I'm under the care of the, of the Ukrainian presbytery. Yeah. So you've planted this uh, church there in, in Krakow now. And um, I mean, that's, you know, amazing what you just said there, that in a city of a million people that there, that there wasn't any reformed witness, you know, whenever you, you guys arrived. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what that experience of church planting has been like for you? Uh, what's your church look like now? Um, and what do you think of the benefits um, that you're planting uh, a reformed church? What are the advantages of uh, reformed faith and practice and what you're doing in, in Krakow for the minute? Yeah. Yeah, so um, there wasn't a single reformed church when we, whenever we first started, but there was um, a very, there, there is a very rich reformed history in this city. Um, whenever we, you know, started studying and looking just uh, into history, in, into the history of the reformed movement in Poland, it was massive. Uh, there were just in our area here in southern Poland. There were uh, in, in in the 16th century. There were over 200 con reformed congregations, mm. and now we are the only one in the radius of you know 200 miles, um, or maybe 200 kilometers. But um, still, um, in, over the last couple of years, specifically these last three years, I would say there are at least uh, two reformed Baptist church church plans that popped up recently, which is part of the of a general um, tendency, I would say, a global tendency in the uh, in the world. And partly, you know, the result of the whole new Cal Calvinism movement. Um, on, it, it's only now that it, it reached us, <laughs> I feel like, and reached the, the, the church, the evangelical circles in, uh, in our neck of the woods. But... Um, when, when we first started, it was, um, we, we had a group of 10 people. Um, most of those were from Baptist backgrounds, but, but most of them had reformed convictions. Um, the beginning was specifically difficult because we had some people that uh, committed in the beginning and then um, uh, left shortly after you know they had committed because they had to leave the country or move to a different city or lost a job and had to to go somewhere else so it's it's not like it it was their fault but it just it was an interesting stage you know when um, um when we had only 
thought that we we finally got the team to do this mm -hmm. um and and then suddenly people started moving away and then a few uh we didn't start as a presbyterian church we that that's actually how we started uh, that's what we were originally initially thinking we would be you know a reformed baptist church because that's um we had a small connection with the uh, with the baptist church in poland and we uh, most of the people were connected with the with the baptist church and we um and then when when, when all these people started <clears throat> started leaving uh and only a few of us were left in the room we looked around the room and we realized that everybody is reformed presbyterian in the room and we were thinking we, we thought to ourselves you know what are we doing trying to plant this strange baptist church if, if the city need, is, is in a big need of, of a reformed church and um and then suddenly um new people came about new people moved into the city um that that's that's in general i would say a dynamic that uh, i've been watching for the last five years um and i guess that's the reality of any urban you know context when it comes to church there's a lot of people that are just going through the city and you know sometimes uh, uh, we would say that the church is like a revolving door because people just come in, they they stay from a couple of weeks to a couple of years, but then they they move on, they go somewhere else. That's just the the reality of life in the in, in, in cities. Um, but um, we 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 saw this a need for a church that would have a um, that would be a church of a a confessional church first of all. You know, a church that actually knows what it believes, um, a church that uh, treats seriously worship and, uh, you know, Sunday morning and what, what happens on Sunday morning when, when we gather together. Um, we want it to be just rooted in history, but not, not just for the sake of history, not to, to be a museum, but uh, just to be better prepared for the future. We um, so we we started just uh, rediscovering old, forgotten um, liturgy, reform, even reformed uh, liturgies from uh, the times that when 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 the reformed church was bigger in in this uh, country, and we just started slowly bringing it back. Um, and um, so we we are still, I would say, uh, slightly more liturgical. Uh, than may, most of Presbyterian churches that I've seen in Northern Ireland. Uh, and um, there's, there's also a practical reason for it. We are, we're trying to reach a uh, Catholic population and the only type of worship that an average Catholic is familiar with is strong liturgy. And just to answer your question, Craig, like what, 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 what do I think this church does to a city and like what, what's the benefit of having this church in the city? Um, I think we, we can offer sound teaching that's oftentimes lacking in, the, in other Protestant churches in, in the city. Um, and there's a lot, I, I can be on and on about this for hours. Why is it uh, so? But uh, Please do. <laughs> we'll be here all day. But, um, well, in general, so we are in a country that's... Um, that has very small Protestant um, congregations, very small fellowships. And uh, 
Uh, this means that there is no such thing as a full-time minister. There's really, there are very few cases when the minister um, does nothing else but, you know, um, leads the church, run, runs the, the church, teaches the, the, the church. And uh, because churches are small, they can't support the pastor. That, that means that the pastor has to, you know, have his, have a secular vocation. Um, pastors usually have families. So you spend your, most of your time at work. You go back to your family and whatever is left of your, of your time, that's what you give to the church. So as you can, as you can imagine, you, you pastors cannot invest much into their um, own training. Uh, even if they had some training, maybe they went to seminary, maybe they uh, did some kind of theological course, but um after they finished also you know just to, to even read or to take time to to study there's not much of that time to do this um so naturally they have nothing that they can be feeding the church with or very little that they can you know give to the church they can pass on to the church as a result the congregation uh doesn't get enough doesn't get um fed um so you can imagine the level of theological um, education, if you will, that the people in churches get. Very, very shallow, uh, very simplified, um, brought down to, you know, Jesus loves you, be nice, um, that kind of thing. And, um, and then, you know, all the way to motivational talks uh, that people like to, to, to listen to. Uh, like I always, I heard that somewhere, but I always like to say that sermons oftentimes just remind you more of a, a TED talk with a Bible verse than, than a sermon. Uh, really? Not the power of positive thinking? <laughs> yeah, well, there's plenty of that. There's plenty of that here. Um, so... I think we uh, we have something alternative. We have an alternative, and we have something more valuable to uh, to offer to people, mm. namely the gospel. Yeah. That's not there in many in many churches. And in general, Polish evangelicalism is extremely anti-Catholic. So it doesn't. It's, it's just it, as long as you um, slag the Catholic Church, it's it's enough. You know, it's, as long as you're uh they will easily tell you what they are not what evangelicals are not mm. uh, in light of who can what the catholic church is rather than what they are for and what they are about um so so uh, that that brings me to an interesting point whenever uh whenever an evangelical comes into our church sits through the service uh, sits through liturgy where our our liturgy ben you've been here you know yeah it's not communion. We're, we're not an Anglican church. We're not we're not a very high church, but there's just order in the service. And we would do things like we would recite the creed every Sunday. We would recite um, Lord's Prayer together. There's a, and there's a responsive psalm reading and the prayer of confession that we all read together. So, you know, just some elements that where we do things together and, and recite things together as, as a congregation. Um, so an evangelical comes to this service, sits through it and is like, Oh, this is so Catholic. This is terrible. Mm. Um, you're reciting the Lord's Prayer just like those Catholics do, and um, and they're offended because they are 
they be, they probably became evangelicals because as a reaction in a reaction to the Catholic Church, mm. uh, because they wanted to leave the Catholic Church and and all, all they were able to find was maybe not an ideal evangelical congregation that didn't really t- teach the gospel. Um, and on the other hand, you have Catholics that walk in, sit through the service. And are like, wow, this is so different from what my church is doing. This is nothing like the the mass. It's uh, it's so spontaneous, and and there's humor, and uh, and it's it has a human face. The whole this whole service. Um, so yeah, it, it depends where you're coming from. Uh, <laughs> I guess we, we, we should say, um, slash school to anyone who's listening, if they do want to see your order of service, you can go on to, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes, the uh, Christ the Redeemer, your church's website, and you can download, uh, you put up really helpfully English translations, um, I guess, for guests who are coming along uh, to, your, to your services. Uh, and you can kind of see the first reading, second reading, Lord's yeah. Prayer offering, uh, doxology, and so on and so forth. I mean, everybody has a liturgy, yeah. Yeah, but you, you guys write it down. Yeah, exactly. Talk to me. And we, and we stick to it. And then I always say, you know, to, to evangelicals that are against uh, an organized and service, um, you know, if, if I try to come into their church and if I try to swap um, places, you know, the... the say a sermon and 40 minutes of singing if oh. i tried to switch that around they would they would, they would have an issue with that right so they're they they also stick to their liturgy big time of course of course tell, tell me sasko about your interaction you've talked a little bit about maybe the interaction with um, evangelicals talk to uh, and a little bit of the perspective from catholics who are coming in talk to me about how in the city of a million people university city high-tech industry but with a really strong um, Catholic uh, um, presence and uh, should we say power, uh, not just in the state, not just in the church, but also in the state. Talk to me about the interaction. You're going in and you're trying to plant a reformed church. Have you had any formal interactions for with the priests or, you know, how has that worked out? We, uh, we, I think we're too small even for priests yeah. to notice. Like, notice us and uh, or be worried about us uh, or um, um, and then we don't really I, I, you know it's not like we are maybe if I was in a small town and I was trying to plant to plant a church I would I would go and try to meet a local priest mm-hmm. uh, but here we are like we're in the old part of the city we're surrounded by a dozen of, of Catholic churches that they they're like on every corner I wouldn't even know which priest to start with um, if I if I wanted to meet one. Um, so we we act like they're not here and that they don't, they don't exist and they probably do do the same towards us. Um, no, I'm only joking. No, we we address um, those things in our teaching in our in the blog yeah. that we are running on the website in the in the books that we publish. Um, in the conversations that we are having with with people that come from from Catholic background, um, we the, the thing is that um, we are dealing with cultural Christianity. We're dealing with cultural Catholicism, which is um, tied to their national identity. As you know, um, to be Polish means to be Catholic, 
uh, it's a lot like um, I would say in the Republic of Ireland, where um, you know the Irish would say, "Oh, we are Catholic," unlike the Brits, and you know, and it's it's part of the it's part of the the national identity. It's part of who you are, mm-hmm. and um, most most of the time, I don't even have to deal with uh, Catholic theology. Yeah. That's um, it's it's just um, the the practice of the Catholic Church that probably. Uh, people uh, are just more familiar with and and concerned about. Um, We did this when we first started six years ago, probably we, we, we did this thing. We, we hit the streets of Krakow and we started asking, just asking questions, uh, just polling people. We, we, we did this big uh, thing. I was, I was joking. I was calling it polling polls and (laughs) it was just a survey and we were we were asking we were asking people the, 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 I think five questions. One of the questions was if, if there was an alternative church in your neighborhood, not a Catholic church, would you consider attending? We just wanted to see what people you know how people react what they say. Um, some people were like no, no, never because you know I'm I'm Polish I'm Catholic. Others were like well, yeah I would want to know what they have to say. The the main point that I'm trying to make here is that people here don't care about theology. Um, and so yeah, that, that's Same here. I, I have a story. I have a story around that with the with the polling. So <laughs> I can tell yep. that. And in the polling data, you find that people weren't interested in the the mass. Uh, at, at the at communion at Eucharist, we we knew that this was the for them. It's the Eucharist that should have been, um, you know the the climax, the main, main point of the, of the mass, but they, uh, people said that they felt most connected to God whenever it was quiet, whenever the music was playing, you know, whenever the organ was playing and whenever the priests weren't saying anything. A lot of people told us that they wouldn't even go to mass. They stopped going to mass years ago. They just go to the church to pray when it's quiet, when the mass is not on, because that's when they feel most, you know, most connected to God. So it made us realize that, um, an average Catholic doesn't know much about uh, his the theology of his church, even though everybody at school here everybody takes compulsory uh, religious education. Um, well, I, I don't think it's compulsory anymore, but um, but most people have been taking it, uh, most pupils. So um, it's uh, it's interesting the way the way things are. Um, but we are, you know, th- there are those that know what, why they are Catholic. Uh, there's there are quite a few of those people. And with, with them, the conversation is slightly different. Different. We've just published R.C. Sproul's book, Are We Together? Which deals a little bit more with the, with the heart of, um, you know, our Reformed theology versus um, uh, Catholic theology so for those for people that are actually interested in in real differences and real theological differences we have now good sound materials that we can uh, refer them to um you're amazing i mean you just drop it into the oh by we've got we've got our publishing (laughs) our churches have got our introduce this yeah because this is a whole nother part of your ministry out there this is a huge part of our ministry i would yeah. say probably our biggest ministry at the minute yeah uh, if you told me if you told me four years ago that i have other things that i would be doing in publishing i would probably have just laughed but it's just 
Oh, it's it's been quite a journey. Um, so we started four years ago with uh, translating RC Sproul's booklets, uh, Crucial Questions. We we tried to, um, you know, we were only beginning our with with our church plant, and we wanted to give something to people to explain who we are, what we're about, uh, and we had nothing. Um, so for instance, we we started with the Sproul's booklets on what is baptism and what is the Lord's Supper because we. There was nothing in Polish um, on the reformed view of the sacraments. So we started with those two booklets. And then what, one thing led to another. Uh, we started publishing more books. We, we've done um, a few books by Kevin DeYoung now. Um, we have, I think we've already done 20 books over the last um, three, three years. And we are working on another 20 um our biggest um our biggest two biggest projects that we are working on at the minute are um calvin's institutes we've already done book one and book two we haven't printed them yet but they're ready and uh what translation you use in sasco we we went from we used the french one um whole whatever the the latest uh was available and uh and then we are another bigger project that we are uh working on or trying trying to begin really because it's it's taking longer than uh, i would have wanted it's esv study bible and there's there's not a single study bible in, in available in polish uh and i hope that this could be a resource that those busy pastors could could have um and it's a it's a safe one um it's it's i would say it crosses over different even denominational boundaries uh but it had good uh editors it was uh j.i packer i think was the, the main editor so um it's it's safe and we um so we we called our publishing house mw because those were uh, those are the initials of a reformed printer who lived and worked in krakow in the 16th century his name was Maciej Wierzbienta, so MWR, his initials. And um, he was um, an elder in the, in the Reformed Church of Krakow in the 16th century. And he, at the time, he was translating Protestant literature into Polish, both Lutheran and Reformed. And he was producing uh, books. He wrote a couple. And uh, he was printing, too. So um, there's uh, a few of those are have survived, and we we also have we know what his seal, what his printing seal looked like, and we took out the central element of that uh, seal, and it's it's a willow tree, because his last name, his his surname comes derives from that from the name of willow tree in Polish, and we we took that tree and we made it our logo, and it creates a great story for us because we can we can tell people never we tell uh, you know locals about our publishing ministry we're saying hey we're we're not starting anything new we're not preaching anything new we are picking up the work that was um you know left off uh, unfinished uh, almost 500 years ago one of the one of the most interesting things that uh, for me that i think that he printed was uh, a 15 it was done in 1550s it was it's called krakow catechism or Krakow minor catechism it has 32 questions it's reformed and it's theology it was produced for the reformed church and we've just republished that in in modern polish 
including the the original uh, the, the scans of the original print. It's all in one book, and we're doing a, a series of, of a few more uh, catechisms. So there was this prominent Polish reformer called John Alasco. Uh, not mm -hmm. a lot of people know that he uh, heavily influenced um, his works. Heavily influenced the Heidelberg Catechism. They say that thirty percent of the Heidelberg Catechism is actually. Uh, what John Alasco wrote in his Emden catechisms. Um, and we are, those were never translated into Polish. And uh, everybody knows about this Polish reformer, but we've never been able to read his catechisms uh, produced in, uh, in the 16th century because they were not available in Polish. Um, so we're, we're working on that and also a few, few more, more projects. That's incredible. What an amazing ministry that is and um so, so the folks that are coming along to your church talk to us a little bit about about them what's the what's the kind of makeup of your church who, who are you who are you reaching and how are those kind of works you know especially those ones by by rc and kevin de young how are they picking those up and are you noticing that this is um you know what well what what place does that ministry have in the lives of those who are coming through your your front doors mm -hmm. um the congregation is very diverse. There is a big, I should probably start with the international factor in our congregation. It's, uh, we have people from Poland. We have people from neighboring countries like Ukraine, Belarus. Um, we have uh, people from South Africa, uh, a couple from Kenya. Um, uh, we have a lady from Northern Ireland. Uh, we have, uh, I'm probably forgetting, oh, Kazakhstan, our, our first uh, convert was a girl from Kazakhstan. So um, there's, there's that element which also um, affects how we are even doing our worship service. Our worship service would be bilingual. Everything's mm -hmm. translated into English or from English. And uh, uh, again, we are the only place in the city where English speakers that don't speak Polish, uh, if they are reformed, that's the only place really that where they can go. Um, and we're, you know, happy to uh, care for them um, and, and, and make them part of the of our fellowship. Um, but mainly uh, for a longer time, uh, I'm 33 and I was the oldest person in, in the congregation. It's mainly young adults, people that have just finished college, university, um, young professionals, young families, um, families that only are beginning to have babies and uh, uh, and that changed the whole dynamic. When we first started, we actually, for the first three or four years, we uh, used to rent the building of the Methodist church, the chapel there. And we would have our Sunday services at 5 p.m. because that's when, whenever the, the building was available. And uh, we always knew that this was, will stop as soon as the first babies come. And um, <laughs> we did, and that changed the whole dynamic of, of the church. So we are now meeting in the mornings and uh, um the first, the first two babies were born during lockdown, uh, shortly after lockdown was introduced uh, in spring 2020. So, um, and now there are, um, I think, three women pregnant in our, in our congregation. So there's a Sunday school on the way there. That's great. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful, Satchko. 
and um, where are you? Um, you have the little baptismal font. Do we do? Do we see that in the, in the tour on the way around, or where, where are you? Where where's the? Where are those happening? We don't have one yet. We just we just ah. have a little. Um, so what you're saying is, if there's any PCI ministers out there who are listening and have like a spare one, or you know, yeah, 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 ship ship one, <laughs> ship one to you. Uh, no, we don't have. I wanted the front of Craigie Hill if you want it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you're trying to get rid of yours. <laughs> Out of it. <laughs> um, yeah. No, we are we are uh, we are renting a place in um, yeah, um, not far from uh, Krakow's Jewish quarter, and uh, it's a it's a shop front, so it's not an ideal place for for a church. Like culturally, that's not where churches meet. You know, you always look. People always look for a proper church building, but um there's only one protestant church in the city that has a proper looking church building and it's, it's the lutheran church they've had it for a few hundred years now um but we hope we hope that this will this will change one day you know that there will be a, a proper presbyterian church in in krakow we look forward to that day as well we'll come and uh you know ben will preach at the uh the opening of the new building or something like pci cast on tour or something silly like <laughs> Sasko loves PCI ministers coming out and doing communion. Sasko, right. you're training, of course, for ministry. So um, you, you always welcome. Uh, it's, it's very much like um, the, the, you know, the ancient church. You arrive and you know, Paul arrived in um, uh, Troas. And, and you know, then next thing you know, he's preaching that evening. People are falling asleep or whatever. Um, <laughs> you arrive out there in Krakow, you know, maybe you get a wee job doing a sermon. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, for all the PCI ministers listening, uh, you're more than, yeah, you're very, very welcome uh, to come. Well, uh, how, how would they, Sashko? What's, what's a good way to kind of connect? I know there are, you know, there's a few of us here in PCI, like Rich Hill, ourselves, um, Union Road and the Comfort as well, um, and no doubt others that I, I can't remember um, who are kind of supporting you and are really interested in, in, in this story. And I know for us as a Kirk session, it was here in Craigie Hill, it was just wonderful to be able to support a reformed uh, Presbyterian church plant happening in, in, in somewhere like Krakow. But, but how, how would you go about kind of get, even getting in touch and maybe uh, uh, sending some support out that way? Because uh, what you're doing doesn't come, uh, doesn't come cheap. It's not free. Uh, and uh, there are ministry needs and costs that, uh, that as, part, as we hear it in Northern Ireland, uh, you know, we, we have an obligation, I think, is we want to reach the loss and that global mission that we mm. could support. Yes. Um, so um, I think the, the easiest thing would be to go to um, ECT's website, um, yeah. and there's if you if you click Poland, uh, you should be able to to find us there. It's ecmireland.org, yeah. um, and uh, it has the, all the infrastructure even for giving, whether it's you know individual or. Um, there's there should be a way to um, connect with me through that website. If not, uh, Ben, you, I think you said you will you were going to include the the church our church's website. Our church church's website is uh, bilingual too, so everything's in Polish and in English. You should be able to um, uh, 
to read everything there. And there's an email address there that you can use as well, just to, to email me if you wanted. And, uh, or if, if it's easier, maybe just to, uh, if people follow this and, and they know you, Ben or, or Craig, uh, even if you don't mind personally, you could maybe pass on my uh, details to, to. I'll be your secretary, Sashko, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, the, the, the website, the church's website, my email address and ECM also yeah. are a good contact. You can, you can ask ECM also what they, th- what they think about us. Not, not How sure. did I ever, Sasko, like we, I was in Rich Hill and you sort of kind of walked into, Alistair brought you in and uh, introduced you to me, but why were you over in Rich Hill those years ago? Good, yeah, good question. I why was the assistant I... uh, in Rich Hill in, the, in those days and, and in comes Sasko. You, you were over for a few months at least. I was there for three months. Yeah. That was a turning point in, in my life probably. There's so many, so many things as I look back now, you know, six yeah. years later, uh, it's just, it was a life-changing experience. Very, it's, it wasn't that long. It was three months. It was, it was meeting me, really, life-changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, partly you then, because it was, it was just what, it was being able to see the Presbyterian Church in yeah. function, uh, just, you know, how, it, how it's run, how it's done, Um I was I was shadowing uh, Alistair McNeely, uh, probably nuisance more than more than just uh, anything else. But uh, I, I learned so much. I saw uh, so much, and I just I came back to Poland, and I wanted to. I want for us to to have the same. Um, and I was there because um, ECM were the connection. Um, yeah. Uh, there was a group of um, ministers from Northern Ireland that came um, to Eastern Europe and they, for, for a small conference, and the idea was uh, to connect local uh, Eastern European uh, work and uh, ministries with the uh, Northern Irish churches. And that's where I met Alistair. So that's, that's how it started. And yeah. this was just... This was even before I started um, church planting. We were only working on the on the whole vision and strategy, and uh, my three months in Northern Ireland were very very helpful for for the formation of that vision and strategy. Very good, thank you. Uh, thanks, Sash. I feel like this interview a little bit like like interstellar or something like like different threads and timelines <laughs> kind of coming together. But you know, I mean, super. Super, just get get a little bit inside. Craig, anything else? No, just to say this has been this has been amazing. You know, I think sometimes uh, we in in PCI, I'm not speaking out of turn, but I think it's fair to say we can be very inward looking and really not looking uh, beyond our own selves. That, that's probably true of of everywhere. Um, so so it's been really good to hear from you today, Sashko, and to hear that you know the Lord's moving in Krakow. So it's really encouraging just to hear you talking this morning and talking from a from a reform perspective as well you're, you're not just planting another um you know carbon copy uh, pan evangelical church you, you're you're sure of what you believe and why you believe it and you're presenting um you know the orthodox historic reformed christian faith to uh, a world in krakow just like here in northern ireland that desperately desperate needs to hear it so uh, really encouraging to hear from you this morning this afternoon brother so uh, thanks so much for taking 
an hour out of your day to, to talk to us. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks again for having me. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to PCI Cast. Join us again next time for another conversation about life and faith in the Presbyterian Church in Ireland. In the meantime, don't forget to follow us on Twitter using at PCICast. See you next time. And I, I, are, are you a long time listener, first time caller? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could you could say that. I, I, I haven't. I have to confess, I haven't been following recently. But I was with you in the beginning. I was yeah. every single. <laughs> The first dozen, maybe, of, of your of your uh, episodes, I'm sure I listened, you know, from the beginning to 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 the end. So, and then we uh, had John T. Graham on, and that was the, <laughs> <end>. <laughs> the quality. The quality just dropped. <laughs> <laughs>